0: see all of you. Um, my name is Jeff, one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, yeah, it's just a joy for us uh, to be together uh, today and to, uh, to worship together. I also want to just give a little shout out. All of our middle school students are here with us in this service today. So yeah, everybody thank those guys. Yeah. We've, um, we've got some just incredible um, student ministries and those guys and those adult leaders do uh, just a phenomenal job. So it's, uh, it's great to have you guys in the room uh, with us this service. Uh, Well, as John mentioned, today we're finishing up a series, a four-part series that we've been in called I Love My Church, and um, I'm excited to... To, to bring to you and, and for us to really dive into this last part. But I want you to know what's coming up uh, next uh, weekend. We're going to be starting a new series called Following Jesus in a Changing Culture. And uh, that's going to be a four-part or three-part series. And so would want uh, to invite you uh, back to that. We'd love to have you. So, hey, before we jump in uh, to today, would you pray with me? And um, let's just ask God to really come and to, to move in our midst. So, would, yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you um, for this morning. Lord, thank you that that we've had the opportunity not only to gather but to uh, to remember this morning through communion to remember um that your your body was broken for us and your blood was shed and and as a result of that we can sing songs like that, that talk about how we stand in your grace and what a joy that is and so lord we want to be a people, Lord, we want to be a community that just overflows with gratitude um, for the grace of God in our lives. And so, Lord, we just proclaim that this morning. We say thank you. And uh, Lord, as we dive into this morning's topic, Lord, you know how important this one is. And so, Lord, we would just pray that your Holy Spirit would move and um, would really speak to us. And And so even, Lord, right now, I just pray that there would be nothing that would get in the way this morning of us hearing from you. And so would you even just have a simple prayer on your own right now? Would you say, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? I put any distractions that are coming from my life out for a little bit, and I'm just saying, Lord, would you speak to me in these next moments? So go ahead and just do that on your own. Father, thank you that when we pray prayers like that, um, Lord, you listen and you know it and you know us. And um, Father, I pray now, Lord, as we dive into this topic that, Lord, I would not get in the way at all of what you want to communicate. And so, Lord, might we hear directly from you. Uh, We pray this uh, trusting in our Father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this series that um, we've been looking at is uh, called I Love My Church is really at the core of it. It's really about how we tick as a church, what makes us tick, who we are, who we long to be. And um, if you are a guest here with us, if you're newer to Brookside, you've come at a great time because this really will give you kind of an inside scoop at at who is Brookside, um, where are we headed as a church. Um, And and if you even think of it this way, it's really at a DNA level is what we're going to be talking about. In this series, we've been looking at um, what are the things that are at the core of the core uh, for Brookside? What are the things that when they're functioning, when they're going really well, we stand back and we say, I love my church. I love what God is doing in this this place. I've had several moments over the course of the last uh, several weeks, whether it's been in a conversation that I've been having or uh, uh, walking by a room and seeing volunteer leaders uh, working with students or hearing about a small group or hearing about a community group or getting a report back from something that's happening either in our country or on the other side of the world. And I've had those moments where I've been hearing and seeing God do different things where I thought, I love our church. I love that we get to be a part of what God is doing in this place. I love that, that God um, not only, uh, you know, has this thing called the church, but God says, you know what, the church is really a group of people that are taking the gospel forward and God invites us into it. And so this series is really important for us because it's reminding us uh, what is most important to us. It's kind of like it's, it's centering us, you could say. It's sort of like we're having a four-week family meeting and we're saying, hey, these are the things that we want to be about. These are the things that are core to Brookside that we want to continue to grow. And as we look at the scriptures, we see, wow, this is the areas where we want to continue to move the ball forward. So let me review briefly for you where we've been so far in this series. In the first week, um, we looked at a statement. We looked at six powerful words that really they direct all that we do. Have you ever noticed that when you know where you're going, it's a lot easier to get there? Have you ever noticed that? We've got a statement that drives where we're going. Here it is. This is our hill to climb. Here it is. Helping people find and follow Jesus. This statement, it drives everything that we do. This is our mission. This is what we sense from the scriptures that God would call Brookside to, that God would call this group of people that are following after him. And i got to be honest with you. I can't think of anything more exciting than this. I can't think of anything that God could call us to that's more life-changing, that's more world-changing, that would bring more redemption to a broken world than us being able to effectively help people find and follow Jesus. And this is why It's because when you have one of those authentic encounters with God, when you have that moment where you realize that there's this insurmountable debt that you have been forgiven, and then that God offers you this incredible life in Him, when you realize that, when you come to that moment, everything changes. And so for us, as we think about what we're being called to, helping people find and follow Jesus, we go... There's no greater mission, because when a person finds Christ and they begin to follow him, everything changes, and there's nothing greater. There's nothing more with more eternal significance. I was doing a wedding yesterday, and at the rehearsal, the, the groom-to-be, he, he got out of his seat, he went up to the front, he grabbed the microphone, and, and he addressed this group of his family and his close friends that were gathered for that meal, and, and he talked about The moment. He talked about the moment when God got a hold of his life, and, and he realized in that moment just the, the flood of the love of God that was on his life was defining for him. And then he said, he said, oh, I wish that everyone would know the love of God like God has revealed it to me by his grace. And as I thought about this couple, and I I thought, wow, that's what a defining moment. That's gonna shape their marriage. It's gonna shape their family forever. It's gonna leave a, a legacy at the core of the core. This is why we love our church. It's because we're about this mission that has the potential to change the lives of people. It's life-giving, it's world-transforming. There's nothing greater. We said in the first week of this series that when the church is fully embracing this mission of helping people find and follow Jesus Christ, that there's nothing like it because there's nothing like the message of Jesus Christ that intersects more with the real stuff of life. And so there's nothing greater than this mission that God has called us to. And when the local church is thriving, there's nothing like it. And so we threw out a very big statement, a statement that's very true though. We said the power of a thriving local church is the world's greatest hope. The power of a thriving church is the world's greatest hope. And this morning what we're going to see is this, that the power of a thriving local church, where does it lie? It lies in unleashing the power of everyone. This morning we're going to talk about how God, and I love this, it kind of blows my mind though, that God didn't just say, hey, I've got this great mission and I'm going to take care of it. But God said, no, 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 the the, the local church has a mission, meaning we get to have this mission, the local church, this body of people. And God didn't say, you know, I'll do it. He said, no, 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 I'm going to let you be a part of it. And when we do, there's no more greater joy than we experience than when we partner with God and we say, you know what, get me in the game. I want to be a part of helping the church be the world's greatest hope. There's nothing like it. In weeks two and three then in this series, we drill down even a little bit deeper, very foundationally. We asked the question, how specifically then does Brookside live out its mission? Uh, what does it do? What are, what are the expressions of the, 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 the actual mission of Brookside? How do we live it out? And so we talked about three priorities. We said we've got three things as a church. Uh, we want to keep it simple and we want to excel at these three things. And so we talked about how the, the first one is this. It's, it's two words. It's worship Christ. And so we talked about how this gathering of people, what we do on Sunday morning, it's very important. That's why we say, wow, put it on your calendar, make it a priority, cancel your plans, come be with your church on a weekend. But it's more than that. It's more than just this worship celebration that we love and that we get to do on the weekends. It's more than that. It's this idea that if we're finding and if we're truly following Jesus Christ, we don't want to stop just with a weekend experience. We want to orient our lives around him. We want our, the affections at the core of us. We want the affections of our heart to be drawn toward God, the one who made us. And the next priority that's just crucial for us is this. We want to live in community. Meaning this, we want to be a church where we're leading people to be in places where they're known. Um, it's better to be known than to be unknown. We say this statement a lot. It's, life is better connected. And what we know is this, that if, wow, if you could be in a group of people that can offer you prayer and support and care, wow, that, that can be a game changer for your life. And so even as we look at all of our ministries as a whole, if you've got someone in early elementary school all the way through our student ministries and into our adult ministries, we want everyone to be in a small group. And so our kids are all assigned a group with a leader that knows their name, that will care about them. that's why we say, don't miss a Sunday. And come, and wow, that adult leader, they'll reinforce the things that you're trying to do as a parent. Because we know this, whether you're an elementary kid, whether you're high school, middle school, or whether you're an adult, that's a powerful thing to be known and to live in community. So those are our first two priorities. First, worship Christ, and then in community. And then the last part, and this is the one, this is very core to us as well. This is a priority, and this is the one we're looking at this morning. And it's a big one. Here it is. It's this. It's on mission. It's that we would be a people, very simply put, that we would live for more than ourselves. You know, we live in a world that, man, well, we live in a very consumeristic uh, culture. And so this is kind of a challenge. This sort of, It really goes against the grain of our natural flow and our natural thinking. But we know this. God would call us as the church to be on mission. Uh, God would call us as the church to be a part of what he's doing. Um, I love this one because it's a call to action. In Matthew chapter 28, we know this, when Jesus commissioned the church, he said, I want you to go and I want you to spread the message of the gospel. But what Jesus was saying was this, he was saying, I want you to be two words, I want you to be on mission. I want your life to not just be a, you know, to to be kind of a spectator, but what Jesus was saying is, no, 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 throughout your life, I want you to be a participant in the mission that I've called the church to to spread the name and the renown and the fame and the hope of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. When you see those two words on mission, um, what comes to your mind? How would you describe, what are the kind of some, maybe some descriptors that you would use when you think about being on mission? Now for me, what quickly comes to my mind is something that's, it's very, a mission is, it's action oriented. It, it's the person that lives with a laser-like focus and their, their mind and, and they're convinced that life is about something more than just themselves, that life is bigger, that there's a bigger purpose and there's a bigger cause than just themselves. It's bigger than that. It's a person that is action oriented. They're moving forward. One thing is, is for sure, at least that Lisa i found, and I think you'd probably say this is true, when you find a person who's living on mission, a person that you would say is mission-oriented, action-oriented, their life is inspiring. I mean, you, you kinda, you're around them, and you're just kind of like, wow, you're pushing me, and, and you're pushing me in a good good way. A few weeks ago, now, our, our city lost two people that made a significant impact for the kingdom of God, for the causes of Christ, Ty and Terry Shenzel. And at their funeral, which was attended by thousands and online, tens of thousands of people viewed this service, it was so evident, though, as I watched that, it was so evident during that service that they were truly people that lived on mission. They were the kind of people that they said, God, you've given me my one and only life, and God, I want to impact as many people as we possibly can could with it. They lived for something that was so far greater than themselves. You know, one of the statements that was made about them was was this, this person said, you know, I've come to the conclusion, they're sharing at this funeral, I've come to the conclusion that I'm glad that it hurts so much, referring to the loss of Ty and Terry. And then he said this, because it reminds me that they loved so well. And as I listened to different people share about their lives, I mean, it was, I was inspired and I said just to God, I said, oh God, this is what it means to live on mission, God, would you, God, would you help me in that? And Christine and I, we, we prayed together that night and we said, God, would you allow our lives by your grace, would you allow us to be impact players for the kingdom? God, you call us to be on mission. You know, when we talk about this this third critical component of, of being on mission. One of the things that comes to my mind, this, just this, this vivid picture that I have, and even just thinking about that service and just that, uh, the lives that those two lived. But I get this picture that Jesus, if he was standing before us, it's as though he, he kind of puts his work gloves on, he kind of rolls up his sleeves, and he just says, hey, you, you come with me. I'm going to go, and and I'm going to get to work, and I'm going to do great things. I look at this city, and I want to bring redemption and healing, and I want to transform this broken world. But he doesn't say, I'm going to take care of it. He says, no, 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 here's a pair of gloves. He says, you roll up your sleeves. No, you come along with me. I love that picture. Talking to an average group of fishermen guys, a ragtag group. What did he say to them? He said, hey, guys, if you're willing... He says, you know, you can, you can, you know your, your day job is fine, he said, but, but in the midst of that, and, and, and for us it applies even on a more general scale, whatever we're doing, Jesus would say, you know, I'll, I'll make you fishers, he said, I'll make you guys fishers of men. What he was saying was, I want to use you, I want you to be a part, I want you to experience the joy of working with me to transform a broken world. Have you ever worked with someone, and as you were working, you're like, wow, this is really hard work, but you kind of got into it, and then you finally finished the job. And as you're walking away from the job, maybe you're sweating, maybe you were dirty, you actually had joy in your heart. It wasn't as though you're like, wow, that really, that just really stunk. You were like, no, it was like, wow, that, we accomplished something great. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm, I'm on the greatest mission on the planet. And he's saying, I don't exclude you. I actually want you to be a part of it. But as you and I well know, and, and maybe even as I've talked about this mission, things have come to your mind. Because there's a buffet list of things that could be roadblocks to you and I pursuing Jesus Christ's mission and us entering into that. Um, We actually see a really good example of this uh, lived out in the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you know the story, the writer of this book decided to determine the purpose of his life. And so in the course of this journey, if you know the storyline of that book, in the course of the journey, he tried all sorts of things to figure out, okay, what is my life worth giving to? What should be the, the, the focus of it? And so he tried all sorts of things. He started with accumulating a, a vast amount of money only to discover that it didn't provide like he thought that it would. From there, he went on and he sought power only to figure out that it also failed to satisfy. And then came a scandalous pursuit of pleasure. After that, he pursued fame and celebrity. And finally, at the end, at the end of all of his efforts, and you can kind of read the list of what happens in that book, and you go, wow, they tried everything. But at the end of the day, this was his conclusion. He said, I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. Yet." When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Know this, when God looks at you, when God looks at me, he says this, your life and my life is worth so much more than a simple chasing after the wind. We were created for more. God looks at you and he looks at I and he says, hey, I want you to suit up. Oh, I want you to put your gloves on. I want you to come with me. Roll up your sleeves. Let's do this together. I want you to join me in the most life-transforming, world-changing endeavor on the planet, to be on mission. And here's what we know. It's in that place that you really come to life. It's in that place. And this is why if you go upstairs and you see a volunteer and, and maybe you thank them and you say, Hey, thanks for thanks for speaking into my child today. And sometimes you'll run into a volunteer like this for particularly around here, I see this a lot, and and that person won't say, oh yeah, I did. I had to get here early. It was tough. They won't do that. Here's just what you'll often hear. You'll thank them, and they'll just light up, and they'll just say, thank you. Kind of like, you blessed me by giving me an opportunity, but here's the thing. They know that they're joining God in this grand, life-changing, eternally impacting, hope-bringing mission. It changes everything. And I believe that God looks at us and he says this, I'm going to give you two options. I'll let you live your life and you can chase the wind. And you can give your entire life to chasing the wind. And a lot of people do. You can fill your time. It's easy. Or he says this, or I'm going to allow you to come with me, and I want you to be a world changer with me. I don't say that statement lightly. I think God says that to to us. What would it feel like, imagine this, what would it feel like if when you laid your head on the pillow at night, if you were able to say this, you know what I did today? I teamed up with God to bring hope to a hurting world. What would that feel like? There is no doubt about it. If you follow the storyline of the scriptures, you'll quickly find that by God's design, you and I were created for that. We were not created to be on the sidelines to just be spectators. God says, no, I love you so much. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to experience the joy of what I'm doing. The desire to be a world changer is planted in the heart of every one of us. And that's why when I started saying some of those words, some of you thought in your mind, you know what, yeah, I do want that. You know what, I do want my life to count. You know why? Because God put that in you. And God puts that in every single one of us. He made you to be a participant. This last week, hundreds and hundreds of college football players across the country suited up, didn't they? And uh, they took the field and and they gave it their best. And whether they won or they lost, and we won't talk anymore about that. But um, but they tried to lead their team, didn't they, to, to, to full victory. They did, to their first first victory of the season. But here's the thing. There were also hundreds and hundreds of players that they ran down the tunnel of their stadium. And they heard the fans screaming and shouting. And they... They felt pumped up by that. And then they did all the warm-ups, and then the game started, and they were standing on the sidelines. And the first quarter went by, and they were still standing there. They were cheering. They were into it as much as they could be. The second quarter went by. Same thing. They went into halftime. They went back through the tunnel. They heard the coach's speech. Then they came back out of the tunnel. The crowd went wild. Third quarter, they are still standing on the sidelines, and they're watching the game. And they're wondering, man, my outfit, my jersey. jersey. Still clean, not very sweaty. And they wondered, will I get in the game? And then the fourth quarter came, and at a certain point in the fourth quarter, they knew, I'm not getting in the game this week. Reminds me of my high school days. Sorry, I'm just kind of venting a little bit. (laughs) But then here's the deal. Then they got back into the locker room, and they sat in the locker room, and they started to take off their pads. And they had this thought go through their mind, I guarantee it. Win or lose, I wish I was a part of the game. I'm not just on this team to fill the roster. I've I've got this itch inside of me. I've been practicing. I've been, you know, I've been doing all the drills. I I just want to get in the game. I believe this. I believe that when it comes to joining God and his mission, God looks at you and I and he says, I put something in you that should make you, that does make you. It makes you, it draws you to the fact that you want to be a part of what God is doing. You want to. A few weeks ago, our oldest son, he came running off the field after this soccer game and, and he kind of pulled me to the side as we were walking to the car and, and uh, this was really fun. He said to me, he said, he said, Dad, do you see my hair? And I said, yeah. And I kind of knew where this was going. So very proudly I said, yeah, I see your hair. And he goes, it's soaking wet. And then, huge smile, he goes, and it's all sweat, you know? And I was like, yeah, buddy, D1 athlete, you, you know, whatever, you know. But here's the thing. He was exhilarated because he'd been in the game. He was exhilarated because for 60 minutes he got to play his little heart out. You know what? We were made to play. When God looks at you and when God looks at me, he says this, I don't want you to just be a spectator. God says, I created you to be on mission. I created you to experience the joy of working right alongside me. Jesus looks at the church and he says, I'm calling you to something greater. You know, one of the main reasons why I love my church is that there's a culture here. And I would say it's that it, that's strong. There's a culture here of being in the game. And I was really looking forward actually to this part of the, the message, maybe more than any other part. Because I want to just hit the pause button here for a second. And I just want to say thank you. Thank um, you. The ministries that happen around here week in and week out, they don't take a handful. They take hundreds and hundreds of volunteers to pull off weekly. And I just want to say to you, you know, there are sometimes different um, people will be in our building, maybe other church leaders, and, and we know we have something special. Um, God has just stirred that in you, and I, um, I'm so grateful for that. And I just want to hear you, I want you to hear me say thank you. Um, Thank you for what you're doing. You know, when I think about the hours that volunteers put in, here's what I know. I know that if volunteers didn't show up and do their job and do it really well, there would not be children in our church that are upstairs getting good truth. There would not be middle school students. There would not be high school students that have a leader that's pouring into their life if it weren't for the, the role of volunteers. There would not be adults that are sitting around living rooms if somebody wouldn't have said, I'll open my home, I'll lead a group. That would not be happening. There would not be kids that are getting fed on the other side of the world or they're getting an education for the first time. If it weren't for volunteers, the people like you, you're the heroes of this church. You really are. And I just hope you hear, wow, thank you so much. Think about this, there are people we, every week they come through those doors, and they're seeking spiritual truth. You might be one of them here today. And you're on a journey, and what I love about this place is this. There's volunteers that, what do we do? We try to create this environment that from start to finish, from the parking lot all the way in, and then back out again, where what happens? It's friendly. It's like, wow, they, they cared about me. They, actually, they even remembered me. They created a, a space for me. That happens because you are involved Just this past week, we got a report back from a group of Brooksiders that had gone to Turkey, and they're working with Muslim refugees over there. And you know what's happening right now in the refugee world. There's a global, historic crisis right now. And so what joy this week to to get this email, to see these, these faces that were touched just this week by Brooksiders. Here's what's happening. We're getting right into the middle of that. And what did we get to do this week? Volunteers got to do what? Proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to these people that God dearly loves. It's amazing. You just look at that and you go, I love our church. I love what God is doing in this place. I love what he's doing in this city. I love what God longs to do around the world. But he says this to all of us. He says, the power of the local church, what will make it thrive? It's everybody. It's everybody rolling up their sleeves and saying, I want in. And so please do not miss this. I want to remind you this morning that your work is not in vain because when you show up early and when you stay late and when you clean things no one else likes to clean and when you pull weeds and when you lead a group and when you stay up late with high school students or whatever, whatever the thing is that you do that God has uniquely gifted you to, to have your part, hold it, whatever it is. I just want you to know this morning, please hear this so clearly, it is not in vain. You are partnering with God. You've suited up and you are a part of a life-transforming, world-shaping, hope-bringing endeavor. There is nothing like it that you're part of. The Apostle Paul said this. He wanted to encourage a group just like this. And so he said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, he said, stand firm. Like, keep going, you're doing great, is what he was saying. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, here it is, it is not in vain. It is not in vain. What you're doing is making a difference. You could be chasing the wind with your life, but you're not in what you're doing and the cause that you're living for. It is not in vain. And as someone who regularly hears the stories and gets to have the conversations and gets to stand back and just sometimes watch it all happen, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing because God looks at our city and God goes, I want to bring redemption to this city. God looks at our world and he says, I want to transform. I want to bring hope to these problems that we keep hearing about. And you're joining him in that. But not only is your work not in vain, it's also it's allowing you to become more like Christ. Because for so many of you, when you found Christ, then you began to follow him. Those two go hand in hand. When you find him, you automatically, you'll start following him. And a big part of following him is many of you have said, I want to be more like him. And at the core of wanting to be more like Jesus Christ is this whole thing called serving, about uh, really just kind of linking arms with God and saying, okay, I want to be on mission for you. It's a key way to do that. You know, I was thinking this week, in Jesus' day, it must have been a very strange moment when Jesus broke the stereotype of the leader being the one who would be served. It must have been a very weird day, and we can read about this in in John chapter 13, and and it's this, and you know the story, perhaps, it's the story of Jesus and his disciples, and they get to this meal, but the foot washer doesn't show up. And and we know this, in their culture, this was a big deal. This wasn't like you and I, like we walk into our home and we forget to take our shoes off. No, it wasn't like that. This was like a cultural, like a ceremonial, like a, a big deal. And so it must have been a very odd moment, and I mean, imagine the scene, the first disciple walks into this room, he sees, okay, I'm at the door, I see the water, but the foot washer is not here. And so he looks at the water, and it's decision time. Okay, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to kind of become that servant, I guess, and wash my own feet, and then and then I'll have to figure out what, el- what, el- you know, what else is going to happen as these other guys come in. But it's decision time. What does that first disciple do, though? He looks at the water and he says, wow, the guy's not here. I'm just going to mosey on. He goes in and he sits down. Second disciple comes. What does he do? He looks at the first disciple who's already reclining at the table. He sees him relaxing. And instead of saying, yeah, okay, wow, he must have, must have forgotten, he says what? He says, wow, if, if you're not going to humble yourself and take up just kind of the rank and file role of the servant, neither am I. And so he sits down at the table and begins to recline, and and all of a sudden now we've got all of them. All the disciples follow suit. And then Jesus shows up last to the meal. He looks at the water, looks at the, the basin, sees the towel probably laying there. And he looks at the disciples and he sees all of their dirty feet. And what does he do? Jesus goes to the table and he sits down and he reclines at the table. This is after three years of ministry. This is after sermon after sermon. This is after illustration after illustration. And you just wonder if Jesus thought to himself, okay, you guys, now your teacher's here. The one you call master, the one we call savior. And, and it's, he, I wonder if he was wondering, I mean, well, who's the cream of the crop? Who's going to stand up and who's going to do it? And then there was a defining moment. There was that moment when Jesus said, okay, well, whatever. And he walks over there and I just, oh, I wish we could be there. I wish we could all just have gotten a glimpse. But I bet he did it just like the customary, a servant of the time would have. Takes off his outer garment I bet he just tucked that, that you know, like a, a, a towel right in, his, um, right in his belt just like a servant would do. And then he goes around and he goes around the circle and he gets on his knees and he washes the feet of every single disciple around the circle. And you can know this for sure, there was disbelief and there was incredible embarrassment happening on every disciple's face. Because they're thinking, oh, what? Peter, you should have done that. You know, why, you know they probably put the blame game a little bit. But there's no doubt about it. It was not a comfortable moment. And then Jesus did this. And, and we, can, we know this story, so we can take it a little bit lightly. But imagine, this was a significant moment. He says this. He says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, Jesus, and he returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, here it is, you will be blessed if you do them. Notice that Jesus didn't say, now you know what to do. Be obedient. Get in the game. didn't do that. Jesus said, no, guys, I'm going to die for you, but I've just set you an example. Before I do that, I want you to do as I have done for you, but here's the thing. You will be blessed if you do them, meaning this, that the greatest level of joy that you and I could ever experience in our life is joining with God in his mission. Jesus is saying, you follow my suit, you serve when it seems like someone else should serve. And Jesus is saying, it's in that place that you'll be blessed. Jesus makes that so clear to us. He says, wow, the greatest thrill is when you join me. And so this is the question that I want to drive us to this morning. Just is a simple question to kind of tie things up. Here it is. Are you enjoying the blessing of God by joining in the mission of God? Are you enjoying the blessing of God by joining in the mission of God? You know, you might even be here this morning and you say, wow, I'm all suited up, and the first quarter's come, the second quarter's come, and I'll be honest, you'd say, I'm consuming a lot, but I have an itch to get in the game. I want to be used by God. I know God's put something in me. I know God's going to even hold me accountable for my one and only life. And I would just say to you this morning, don't, don't feel any guilt. That would be a miscommunication on my part completely. But do feel this. Feel this invitation from God where he says, blessed you will be when you join me in the greatest mission you could possibly be a part of. And what I, what I didn't want to do this morning is to do this talk on, on us being on mission. And then for there to be absolutely no practical steps for, for you to be able to apply it or to, to get involved and, And so I want to direct your attention in your program. I want you to take this out. You've got one of these cards. This is a simple way for you to think about, okay, what does it look like for me to be on mission? It says, serve at Brookside on the front. Our website is on the front. You can go to our website under the serve page. There's all sorts of opportunities where you can get involved. If you flip it over on the back, though, here's what you can do this morning. And I would encourage you, don't circle two or three of these things. Circle one thing, just one thing. And know this. These are serving opportunities for us that are kind of rising to the top right now, okay? And when you do that, when you fill this out and you can put it in the bucket on your way out, you're not signing up for life. You're not signing up for three months even. What you're signing up for is, hey, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I'd like to know if that might be a good fit for me. So you'll hear back from somebody on our team in in the next week or two. let me just highlight a couple of these our weekend production you see that that's everything that goes on in this room and there's so many different roles that you could play um Brookside uh, kids um uh that's you know birth all the way through fifth grade uh anybody the name uh Mike Singletary ring a bell with anybody 1985 Chicago Bears anybody Super Bowl shuffle Okay, three of us. Okay, good. I'll tell the story anyway. Uh, so, so he's like this. He's this great football player, became a coach and all that. You know what Mike Singletary did in the offseason at his church? Held babies. He served in the nursery. He held ba- I think it was because he was afraid of those monsters he saw on the weekends, you know, and he just wanted some, you know, whatever, refuge. Think about that, though. You, if you want your baby fixed, this is the place for you. You can go in there. You can love on a baby Right? For an hour, you can come in here, and what do you do in the process? You help that parent be able to sit in here, to be able to listen, to be able to be encouraged, to get a little break. I mean, it's, it's huge. All the way up through elementary, into middle school, into high school, all sorts of opportunities. Our facilities team, we want this place to sparkle every time a guest walks onto this campus. We don't want there to be any weeds. We want it to be a great place. So you, there's a, a bunch of different things you could do there. We want it to be honorable to God. Um, our host team, you know, those are the people in the blue shirts that do a phenomenal job. It's a great place to begin to serve once a month. Parking team, you know what that is. Our student ministries. I was in an airport last weekend, and I ran into one of our uh, small group leaders of our high school ministry, and I thought to myself, okay, here's a guy that travels, you know, pr- probably fairly regularly. I know he's got his own family, and I know now, uh, you know, I know where he serves, in what capacity he serves here at the church. This is a busy guy, Right? But I thought to myself, oh, I'm so grateful for Keith. What is he doing? He's pouring into students' lives. Why? Because he wants to be on mission. He knows that God didn't just wire him up just to sit, but God wanted him, wants him to be in the game. And so I'd encourage you, if if any of those resonate with you and how God's wired you, or if you feel like, hey, I got something else that I could offer, boy, tap one of us on the shoulder because we want to invite everybody into the game. I had a defining moment. Um, about ten years ago, related to this topic, we were—I uh, was doing middle school ministry at the time, and uh, at that time during this season, we had a lot of kids that were coming from one particular school that really liked skateboarding. You could say they were the kind of the skater kids, right? And we also knew that most of them hadn't heard the message of of Christ, and that there were a lot more of them out there. And so we just kind of had this idea, well, what would it look like if if we created a place where these kids could come, and and there would be, not just a few ramps around, but it would be like a a pretty uh, legit skate park for these kids. And so I went to one of our core leaders, to Terry, and I I said, Terry, here's my idea. What do you think? And Terry's a sharp guy. He's a handy guy. And And so he worked up a budget, and we began working this stuff up, and he began to build these ramps, and then we had a half pipe. And I'll tell you what, a couple months later, we're we're standing there, and there's this crowd of students, and they're hearing the gospel. They're hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and God blessed that first season. And here's the defining moment for me. I'm walking up right up here on the the, concrete out there. I look over at Terry, and I just say, man, thank you, Terry. I said, man, I shared this with you, and you ran with it. And this was, the, this was the, the clicker for me. I thought to myself, I will never again shy away from asking someone in our church to be a part of what God would want to do in their life and through them. Because Terry and I had a lot of moments when we walked together pretty exhausted after the time. But I looked at him and I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. We're helping further the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're a participant, thank you so much. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And if you would say, you know what, I'm suited up, I'm on the team, I enjoy the benefits of, becoming, of being a child of God, but you've got that itch that God made you for, I would encourage you, take that step. You'll be so glad that you did. So let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you um, for the fact that you call us to mission. Father, thank you. It really blows our mind that um, you don't don't say, well, you know, I'll just take care of this on my own. But you say, no, I'll invite you into this God-honoring mission. And so, Lord, we just want to say to you today, thank you. Thank you that we get to be a part of it, Lord. Um, We're so, so incredibly grateful. Um, Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church. I pray that the thank you this morning has been really heard because this labor in the Lord is not in vain. And you're doing something special. And Father, we love that. And we're so grateful for it. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.